Welcome to Wrestling With Heart, a podcast looking at pro wrestlers giving back to their community. Join me, Stanley Carr, as I interview wrestling's hottest names who use their platforms as entertainers to raise awareness and do community service. Hello and welcome to another edition of Wrestling With Heart. This is the show where we talk with professional wrestlers and professional wrestling personalities about their lives in and outside of the ring as well as doing acts of charity work, community service, volunteering, and just spreading positivity. We're all about the positivity here on the show. And with me today, I've got a very special guest. She is a third-generation superstar. She's got wrestling on both sides of her family. She is the daughter of the iconic Perfect Ten baby doll and the daughter of the one and only Sam Houston. I'm pleased to welcome... Samantha Starr, welcome to Wrestling with Heart. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So, coming from a wrestling family, you know, you got it on both sides of your family. Tell me about your upbringing in childhood. I think my upbringing was completely normal, but that's the only upbringing I have to compare it to. Um, From a very young age, I was on the road with my mom, whether it was one-off shows here and there or whether we were spending the entire weekend traveling from Texas down to Tampa, Florida in a car and like learning how to navigate on like this is back before GPS. We had the big, huge paper maps. I could barely read English, let alone read a map. And my mom's screaming at me, where's our next turn? I don't know. (laughs) So How we ended up at our destinations, no idea, but we always had a really good time doing it. My mom raised my sister and I as a single parent. Uh, My dad had his own demons that he had to deal with. So understandably, she took us in and just said, let's figure this out as a a three-person family. And my mom's the best. She's my best friend. Um, she was very, very fun. She would play video games with us, go to the park, take us to the fair. So I got to experience a lot of like normal children's stuff, but also got to experience some really cool moments, like going backstage to like the huge events that whenever they came to Lubbock, Texas. And I remember being small, like a small kid in elementary school and getting to go into the wrestling ring and seeing like the blood stains on the canvas and jumping off the ropes and stuff. So interesting. Gotta, yeah. I mean, you got a firsthand exposure at the real deal like the people that i've spoken with on the show before a lot of them will talk about their first memories of watching it on television but you were there you were actually at the arena where chaos ensued right so one of my first memories of wrestling was getting to go backstage and meet the dudley boys sting and booker t Mm-hmm. And also Diamond Dallas Page and getting to like hang out with those people that were larger than life. Granted, they're huge human human beings in person, but growing up and watching them on TV, they were larger than life icons and getting to like hang out with them and being such a little kid. But it was such a cool moment. So from a very young age, I was hooked. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, there's no question, especially when you're around legends like those guys. So. I had read that you were a soccer player before getting into wrestling. Tell me about that experience because making that transition from one sport to another, especially like professional wrestling, I mean, that's a whole nother ball game. Literally. Um, So I started uh, playing soccer whenever I was only four years old. 
and I played soccer all throughout my childhood, all the way up and through my senior year of high school. I was still actively playing soccer. Um, in my high school, I was captain of the varsity soccer team for three years in a row. So I started out as a sophomore, junior, and senior starting uh, starting varsity and being the captain of the team. So absolutely loved soccer. For people that don't think it's a combat sport, they are completely wrong. Um, I played hard every single game. I played with everything that I had. But my time playing soccer and my time pro wrestling actually overlapped. So most people wait until they're 16, 17, 18 years old to start training, even older than that in some cases. And whenever I first took my first bump in a wrestling ring, I was only 14 years old. I was still like a baby in middle school. So yeah, they overlapped. I mean, yeah, I mean, when you're in that world, that that whole idea of falling down, I mean, that hurts. That is... I mean, like you said a minute ago, soccer has its own fair share of, of, of issues as well when you're when you're playing in a group, when you're playing on a team sport, but it's it's different when you're actually falling on plywood. Yeah. So with wrestling, everyone says, Oh, it's fake, oh, it doesn't hurt, oh, there's padding. The padding's there to protect the boards, not us. Like that's not enough padding to truly make a difference. It's like maybe this thick and it's foam. It has no impact on how hard we hit that mat. So whenever I first started training, your first moments are to learn to protect yourself, to learn to not get concussions every single time you fall, to learn how to not break your neck or not land on your head the wrong way. And whenever you're born, whenever you're learning how to walk, you're telling your, your brain's telling you, do not fall down, do everything, do ninja powers, do whatever you got to do. Just don't hit the ground. So if you slip while you're walking on ice, your instant reaction is so, whoa, 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 don't hit the ground. So in pro wrestling, they tell you, no, you need to hit the ground. We need to learn how to fall and protect ourselves. So it was almost psychotic to try and tell my brain hey we're gonna fall and we're gonna fall really really hard so we can get used to it so that was definitely difficult and learning how to tuck my chin sucked so bad for some reason whenever you're falling you're worried about so many different things and they tell you over and over tuck your chin because otherwise you'll hit your head on the mat and your your head will bounce off the mat that was the hardest thing for me to learn I would hit my head over and over and over to the point where I got dizzy and was like in the alley throwing up because it just wouldn't click for me. So it's it's not an easy transition whatsoever. And it's the training process that I went through. It's it's rigorous. It's gruesome. Yeah. I mean, you're basically jumping at like the deep end of the pool and it's it's this requires a lot of discipline and training to become a professional wrestler takes time takes months even years to actually put all the fundamentals together what can you tell me about the the training process as far as working with a group of trainers that helped you throughout your career starting out so I didn't go to a traditional training school. Some people go to schools like Harley Races Training Academy or the Cody Rhodes, the Nightmare Factory mm -hmm. or the Team 3D school. But because I was training so young, I was training when I was in middle school and high school. So I would go on Tuesdays and Thursdays and I would travel an hour one way after school, after soccer practice to go and train with whoever I could get in the ring with. 
And it could be veterans that had been in the business for 20 years. It could be someone that's only been in the business for four or five years. Whoever was willing to dedicate their time to people that wanted to be professional wrestlers. So my training experience was very different from traditional like schools, but it's what worked for me. From a young age, I one of my favorite quotes of all time is from Bill Nye, the science guy, and it's everyone you meet knows something that you don't. And that's just a reminder that even someone that's on the street begging for money has some piece of knowledge that you don't have that they can teach you. Even small children can provide that those little bits of information that you had no idea. I'm pretty sure if you go up to like a six year old and ask a little boy, hey, can you tell me about your favorite dinosaur dinosaur? He's going to be able to rattle off facts about dinosaurs that you had no idea about. So the same thing applies to to wrestling training. You can learn something from everybody in wrestling, whether it's what to do or what not to do. You kind of have to figure that out. But those opportunities are there if you want to learn from people. And it's about that psychology, too, like why you're doing certain moves than others. It's definitely something that you got to keep in mind once you're actually in the ring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You're correct. Yeah. So you get trained. You make your debut. Tell me about your first few matches in the business. Any any memories you want to share? Oh, they were rough, and I owe my opponent my life because, boy, was I a nervous wreck. Um, my first, like, my debut wasn't planned whatsoever. I wasn't even booked right. on the event. The uh, uh, promotion down the road from where I lived had a uh, had a cancellation, and they were super desperate, and it was a charity show, and I was like, oh, I hate that, but okay, sure, let's go. So I was like, all right, let's figure this out. And I went and I had my debut match against a woman named Persephone. And she had been in the business for a long time and had trained with Mickey James and was friends with Daphne and and had very deep roots in wrestling. So I trusted her literally with my life. And we had a lot of matches together throughout my like the earlier time of my career. And it's just once you have those moments, it's like a sisterhood. Like, yes, whenever we're in the ring, it's business. But outside of the ring, she's coaching me and mentoring me. And you're just checking in on me, making sure that, you know, everything's good. So adore com- her. It's that camaraderie that comes with being in the business for so long. It's that brotherhood or sisterhood that you carry on with you for so many years. And that's what a lot of fans they kind of see it behind they later see it behind the scenes of like, wow, these people are actually friends outside of what you see on TV. So mm-hmm. it's incredible how that how that's worked out over over the years. So who have been some of your favorite opponents to work with? That's a really good question. Um, currently my favorite to go against is Kenzie Page. She is the current NWA women's world champion. And she and I have gone toe-to-toe just a few times, and she's bested me every single time. I love a challenge. A hundred percent, I love and chase a challenge. If it's an easy match for me, if it's an easy defeat, if I know that I can beat them, it's not that exciting. But to go against somebody that's been able to one-up me time and time again, that's where that passion, that's where that fire comes out, because I know that I'm better than her I know that I can carry that title I know that I can I can carry that legacy with me of having that NWA world women's championship around my waist and I just I'm not gonna stop until I have it 
And right now she's the only one standing in my way. All about the grit and determination. Definitely, I can definitely see you hold that championship in the not-too-distant future. Any uh, fantasy matches of people you wished you could wrestle, past or present? Ooh, good question. So, I think it would be fun to wrestle against my aunt. My aunt is uh, WWF Women's Champion, Rockin' Robin. Uh Um, She retired a long time ago she realized wrestling just wasn't what she wanted to do long term which is fine i understand it you get hit enough times you're like oh, probably need something more sustainable um i think it would be a really cool opportunity for me to wrestle against her the chances of that happening are very very slim but you never say never no um another person that i would love to share a ring with is mickey james i've always looked up to mickey james she's very very talented inside and outside of the ring and i think that she is still in her prime she's like some people are like oh she's washed up whatever no hell no if you watch mickey james she is as good now as she was 10 15 years ago she's absolutely amazing and then i would probably have to say lita as well Lita's just a hell of an athlete. She was she was an outcast. She was a bad girl. She was she was her own person. When wow. it was cool to be tall, blonde, and under plastic surgery, she kind of just made her own way. She carved her own path in the WWE, and I admire that so much. So those are those are probably my top three right now. Those are very good choices. I'd love to see that happen, possibly. Uh, with Mickey James, I think that'd be a really good match. And Lita, yeah. too. We'll see. Never yeah. say never. Never say never. Has mom managed you at all? Yes. And those are always my favorite matches. Um, to get to share those moments with her are so special. They're so spectacular. Um, she's managed me in several NWA matches that I've had. Uh, she was in my corner for the... Um, the Crockett Cup, we had a, a four versus four hardcore team war. She was in my corner for my one-on-one singles debut with NWA against Kylan King in November of last year at NWA Hard Times, too. And then she was also with me at the Burke Invitational when I debuted uh, for the company in 2022. There we go. Um, <laughs> so every single time that she goes to the ring with me, we always have a blast. I prefer whenever we go out and we get to be the bad guys because I really enjoy being a bad guy, but I get it. I get it. Smiley, pretty girls, go ahead make the, make the fans cheer. I get it, but I enjoy being here so much more. Um, so I've been, I've been blessed to get to share a lot of experience with her all over the U S. What is it about being a heel that just gives you the most joy? This is going to sound horrible, but I love making people mad. To to evoke such raw, just uncanned emotions from a, an arena full of people, there's nothing else like it. Like, yeah, the cheering is is great, but I I don't know. I guess I don't like seeing people like get worried whenever I get hit in the face or like get down. Like whenever someone's beating me up, I don't like hearing the fans like get upset. But they don't get upset if I'm getting beat up as a heel. Like, they cheer even louder. So I think that's that may play a part in it, but it's just that control of just 
simple gestures can just rile people up and i love that absolutely love it yeah you gotta do what you gotta do yeah mm-hmm. we'll switch gears now talk about some of the stuff you've done outside of the ring I know I had your mom on a while ago about some of the charity work she's done outside the business. Talk to me about some of the organizations you've helped out with as far as like doing charity work. So this kind of plays into more of my shoot job, my real-time job as well. Um, I am currently by on paper a business analyst, but I also run the pride and recognition program throughout a large portion of our group. So through my job, my work job, my regular job, I uh, I actually get to give back a lot. Um, for the town of Hickory, North Carolina, last year we had a, a donation tree. So we had two, actually. One was a mitten tree. In Hickory, North Carolina, it does freeze. It does get cold. So I put a big Christmas tree up, and people were able to donate uh, hats, scarves, mittens, uh, blankets. We welcomed handmade objects as well as store-bought. And I took them down to our, our local local homeless shelter in Hickory, North Carolina, and was able to donate those. Um, we also, because people love animals, we also had a pet donation tree that we gave to the, uh, what is the town or the county? It's Catawba County, the Catawba County Animal Shelter. There we go. That's a mouthful. Uh, and we had so many donations for like dog food and and cat food and toys and just the cutest little the cutest little stuff to give to the the shelter animals and i'm a huge animal av advocate i've also worked with clifford's army at c-a-r-e mm -hmm. my mom's also worked with the company um mm -hmm. uh, getting to getting to hold puppies and help them find homes i'm an animal lover uh going through do you have do you have any pets at home yes I do. I have a uh, nine-year-old dog. His name is Brady, named after Tom Brady, because I'm a huge Patriots fan. He wandered into my life as, at a very young age. He was just a little puppy, and I was able to find his owner, and it, I was crying, like boo-hoo, ugly crying. Did not care who heard me, who saw me, because I was having to give him back. And she saw how much I was attached to him and how much I loved him. And she said, you know, I have a two-year-old as well as this other little dog. I see that you love him. You can keep him. And I started crying even harder. It was just insane. It was absolutely insane. Uh, but he's been my best friend for nine years. Uh, so that's Brady. And then I have two cats as well. I have Tico, who he is a tuxedo. And I have Chico, and he is an orange tabby. And anyone that talks junk about orange tabbies, you know, they might not be smart, but they're adorable. I've always been drawn to orange, orange cats. Their personalities, I've just, I've had really good luck with how just lovable and cuddly they are. Oh, very adorable. Was there a particular moment you were mentioning about, um, helping out like over the holidays with, with donations. Was there one particular memory that just touched your heart when you were helping out? That's a tough one. Cause they're, they're all memorable. They're all like those just moments that you just stop and you think about like the impact you're making and just 
how much you've done, but how much more you can do and always pushing to the next level. So that's actually really hard to, to tack down for me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I can't answer that. Yeah. It seems like you've done a lot of, a lot of work over the years. Why do you feel passionate about helping out in your community? To me, I think that we should all take time to better not only ourselves, but those around us. And whether that's running a toy drive for Christmas or helping out at a homeless shelter or an animal shelter or raising awareness for different illnesses, doing the walks, doing the 5Ks, um, doing the marches, doing the protests, whatever it takes to make an impact. I feel like we're we're meant to do more on this planet than just take care of ourselves. So huge in finding whatever whatever avenues I can to give back in whatever way I can. Um, I don't talk very much about this, but my husband actually has a very rare disease. And it's one of those diseases that's there's no cure. He's on medication now, but there's no cure for this disease. It's called cystic fibrosis. And with that disease, that kind of flips your world upside down. And there's not a lot of information about it. There's not a lot of talk about like very rare diseases like that. So bringing awareness, however it may come, whether it's here, here's a cute puppy. Let me talk to you about this disease and let's, let's find out solutions because whenever my husband was, was born, the mortality rate for, for people with CF was like so high. And the average life expectancy was under 10. And throughout throughout information, throughout research, throughout um, charity work, and we're just bringing awareness to it, now the average life expectancy is over 70 years old. And my husband's not that old. He's only 39. So to be able to bridge that gap so much and say, hey, you're not going to live to see your teens to, hey, you're going to have a full life. That's amazing. And I want more people to have that experience. Wow. I mean, that's just heartbreaking to hear. I hope that in due time, I hope that there are treatable, uh, some, some kind of technology, you know, as it advances, there's a way to cure rare diseases like that. And to hope that your husband is in good health and uh, happiness uh, cause that's just, that's just sad, you know, to hear about stuff like that. So, you know, we're hopefully, hopefully things can resolve themselves over time. It's just, it's, it's a process. And my husband's super duper health, healthy. The man is jacked. He's one of the most athletic people that I've ever met in my entire life, not just CF related, but one of the most athletic people that I've ever met. You can look at him and you would, you would never guess because that's, that's how well he's taking care of himself and how hard he pushes himself. And it's just, it's inspirational. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, this has been wonderful getting the chance to talk with you. It means a lot to me and my listeners and viewers that are watching this on YouTube. Uh, where can people find you on social media? So on social media, I do have Facebook and I do have Instagram. They're at Perfect Knockout, or you can search for Samantha Star. I think the Facebook URL is facebook.com backslash 3G Samantha Star. Uh, do not try to find me on Twitter. My Twitter got hacked and they said, 
sorry, can't help you. So I do not have Twitter currently, but I do have Instagram and Facebook. And you can just search at Perfect Knockout or search for Samantha Starr. Um, I'd love for the support. Yeah. Well, Samantha, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And you're more than welcome to come back. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Have a wonderful night. Thanks. See you as well. This is Wrestling With Heart. I hope you found this podcast to be informative and entertaining. If you did, please hit the subscribe button and look out for the next edition.